This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Eternal Dirtles is the Hipsters of the Coast podcast, sponsored by Paragon City Games, and by listeners like you. You can support Eternal Dirtles at patreon.com slash Eternal Dirtles. And now, your hosts, Zach Clark. Nathan Golia and Phil Blackman. And now, Eternal Turtle. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Nathan Golian. Nate, how's it going, man? Pretty good. How about you? I'm doing well. Uh, we have another guest this week. Another guest from the Top Down Legacy podcast. Indeed. Why don't you introduce our guest, Zach? Uh, Eric Virgo, how are you, man? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on, guys. Awesome. Uh, glad to have you on. Uh, you know, we, we've got we've got a lot of, we've got a lot to cover this week. Uh, but first, let's let's travel back in time to one week ago, uh, where we were talking with you, your co-host from the Top Down Legacy podcast, uh, Cyrus, uh, about about Legacy uh, that sort of blew up uh, last week a bit. Yeah, there was definitely a a, a contentious podcast last week with a, <laughs> a lot of uh, discussion back and forth about Legacy. But before we get into that, uh, I just want to say uh, thank you to you guys because uh, at Eternal Weekend. Uh, last year, uh, I did well, and you were nice enough to invite me on the podcast, uh, and that sort of uh, opened me up and and let me know how much I I enjoyed doing this, and it actually inspired me to start a podcast of my own, and that was uh, just about a year ago, and I wanted to say thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. Glad to have you. Thank, <laughs> thank you for coming on in the first place and helping us feel like we could actually get guests. Like yeah. that was that was big for us. I was like, I remember thinking like, well, this guy just double top eight it, maybe come on and talk to us, <laughs> and, you know. No, it was like maybe he's be like, what are these weirdos doing a podcast all about? So thank you for uh, rolling with it and for coming back a couple times. It was a pretty eventful year since uh, since last Eternal Weekend, right? Yeah, uh, quite a bit has happened in in both uh, in Legacy and Vintage. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about let's talk about the podcast last week. Cyrus definitely had quite a bit to say about uh, Legacy and a little bit about Vintage as well. Um, for the most part, I agree with a lot of the points that he made in terms of what gameplay is like now and you know 
how there's a couple decks in the format that really force you to have early interaction. But I felt like, um, or at least my opinion was that the strength of the statements was like much, much higher than what it is in reality. Uh, you know, I think the big offender and I, a deck that I really, really hate is this, is this black red reanimator deck. And that's only coming in at three, three and a half percent of the metagame. So in a, in a 15 round tournament, you're actually more likely to not play against it. So if you're going to go to a, a legacy GP, you know, the chances are you're not going to play against it. That's what, that's what the math says. So it, you know, it's something that's there. It's something that matters. And when you play against it, I think it really is a pretty abysmal uh, experience. And it's the same thing with Dredge, you know, basically the, you know, the exact same metagame percentage. And, you know, these things suck, but I, I do think they're part of the format. Would I ban Gristlebrand? Gristlebrand? Probably. That card is just not what you should, or it's not really playing magic, in my opinion. You're doing really broken stuff, but it's uh, it's a little bit ham-fisted when you put Gristlebrand into play, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, um, I think that's fair. I think that it's you know it's one of those things like you're 100 percent likely to face it if you're worried about it <laughs> it seems <laughs> like right <laughs> i know you're a data-driven guy i'm just goofing but like yeah, yeah. i know it's one of those things where it's like you got to show up with a lot of graveyard hate and even then it might not work you know whether they show you a chancellor or whatever um but like that that meatball is hanging out there ready to smack you right and yeah um, it's i, I mean it's psychologically the... it really hits you hard Absolutely. And the way that the deck is constructed with Chancellor of the Annex means that there are some times where you can keep a good hand in opposed sideboard games and you can still lose without the option or you have no agency over whether or not you win. And that really sucks. Uh, just, you know, you get Chancellor and you have a force of will or you have a surgical extraction and then they just put a fatty into play and the game is over. That's yeah. that's really unfortunate. Um, it would be nice if that could be removed from the format, but I think that the, the power level is not beyond other stuff that's going on in the format. Um, it's just a really unfun play experience. Do I think it's more unfun than getting wastelanded out of the game or getting stifled out of the game? Probably not, because that actually takes a bit longer. Because like when you're putting puts Terminal Gristle Brand in play, the game's over. You're dead. Nathan has this you, one right. Like you just go, go to lost. the next game. <laughs> yeah. Just go to go to the next game. When you get stifled and wastelanded out of a game, you you keep playing to see if you draw out of it. And even if you do, it's still a very very uphill battle, right? So I, I think uh, it, it if you compare it to a lot of the other sort of negative experiences you can have in the format, it's honestly not that much worse. And, and in fact, might not be as bad as some others. Uh, Zach, if you want, I have a belly. Yeah, sorry. What, what's that? No, I was going to say, you can go ahead. I, uh, yeah, I was no, respond, I, but. I, I don't disagree. I, I think that, uh, I, I mean, I don't think that Grizzlebrand is too much. I, I think that, honestly, if I were to if I were to pick a card to keep, to keep everything in check, it'd probably be Chancellor. Um, but that'll never happen. Uh, so I, I think, I think that, uh, like what we were saying last week is Grizzlebrand leads to boring games because even if you can figure out a way to get out of having your opponent's fatty, like effect, like effectively, like end the game on turn one, if you're able to swords it or something like that, it just like creates a, a situation where you can figure out another way to, to get things going again. 
I think that the deck would be a lot less punishing if, uh, you know, you got this turn one fatty out and then uh, someone was just like, okay, well, I have a way to deal with that. Um, cool. And then you don't, like, use it to draw into the, the rest of your combo for the, ne for the next time you want to go off. Um, but I, I think, you know, we, we've beaten that dead horse th so often that uh, I, don't, yeah, I don't think I, we're going to change anyone's mind that thinks otherwise. <laughs> I think I have, I have two issues with, with the Black Red Reanimator deck specifically, but really it's not. It could, be any, it could be any two colors super fast like that. And my problem is that Grizzlebrand does a couple of things. One is that it's so crushing that it, it heavily incentivizes not just the low to the ground internal interaction that you talked about, Eric, but also to play cards like Leyline of the Void, which I don't think are a fun play experience for either side if they get into play. Um, and I and I think that that's and the other thing that's sort of related is that the the presence of Grizzlebrand splash hates a lot of other sort of grindy or graveyard strategies. Um, you just like you know you can't really eke value out of the graveyard that easily uh, because these cards are all running around. I was I actually played Black Red Reanimator last night at the local, um, and I was talking to uh, you know a friend who plays lands. And he was like, yeah, I mean, because of this deck, like surgical extractions everywhere. And, you know, that's a fact of life for me, you know. Um, and it's it's just like I, I, the thing is, though, that ley line and surgical have to exist because Grizzlebrand has to exist or it does exist, I should say. And, you know, I, I don't think the format is is better for that that pressure existing. Um, but I also am realistic and I know that there's not going to be any sort of like major house cleaning or whatever. Yeah. I mean, um, there, there'd have to be a couple things that would make me feel like, oh yeah, this is okay. It, just ban this and ban this and ban this and unban this and this and this. It would have to be like this, a, this, a this, like yeah. a six card swap, uh, for me to feel like, okay, things are moving in the right direction. Yeah, and I, I again, I just want to say, like, I'm realistic. I don't expect that. I'm not going to lobby for it or anything. <laughs> yeah. I sometimes, I remember, I used to, I used to, you know, get real excited and think maybe this will be the day that they like really go nuclear on the format, um, especially after the the uh, probe and gush restrictions in vintage. I was like, ooh, they're not scared to do crazy stuff now with the BNR list, uh, but they never did. They just banned Deathrite Shaman and Gataxian Probe and moved on. So, yeah. uh, you know, um, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really do think that we got a lot of good discussion. I think people, you know, people have very strong opinions. And at the end of the day, we're, you know, we're some of our, like, hyperbole is tongue-in-cheek. And we're just having fun, you know, talking about a game that we love. Um, and, uh, you know, I I definitely see where a lot of people are coming from. I, I certainly want to keep playing Legacy, for sure. I just I just get bummed, like, you know, that I feel like people aren't really excited to play. Like, our our local attendance has dropped a little bit. And... You know that eight, that local last night I was talking about. You know we had we had eight people where we were regularly pulling close to twenty, uh, twice a week for Legacy in Utah, and you know people are just like, yeah, I'm gonna do something else tonight or something like that. You know, it's not feeling it that much, which uh, which bums me out because you know we really can't afford to have people leaving. You know, uh, yeah, I I get that too. And you know there are actually a couple of people who predicted that the Deathrite Shaman ban would cause. Uh, a retraction in the legacy player base, which I, at the time I thought was incorrect because Death Rite Shaman was just, it really felt like it was ubiqui ubiquitously hated. I think there were some people who were exceptions in the sense that they thought it was good for the format and keeping things relatively stable. But but looking back now, it kind of seems like the, the metagame that's emerged uh, post-Death Rite Shaman is, I, I don't want to say worse, but it's different in a way that I think people don't like. Um, 
but but anyway, I, I think this might be maybe even a good segue to talk about just legacy in general right now. Yeah. The, uh, according to MTG, MTG Goldfish, the top four decks are uh, Miracles coming in at 10.5%, Grixis Control coming in at uh, just under 9%, uh, Aiden, uh, 877 uh, Grixis Delver coming in at just under 6%, and then Eldrazi Post coming in at just under 6% as well. Um, Looks like, yeah, sorry, just to be very clear, uh, yeah. Post and Delver are the same percentage here. Just to sort of illustrate it, your... yeah, yeah, that's right. They, they both have, I think, seventeen decks listed. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's uh, it's interesting because those four decks are not really the decks that people complain about. I, I think people complain about miracles because of the the time issue, but you know, these are fair decks that you can attack and beat. Now, what's really interesting <laughs> is the next four decks in the metagame are sneak and show at. Uh, like four and a quarter percent, uh, ad nauseum tendrils at just under four percent, dredge at three and a half percent, and reanimator at three and a half percent. So, if you as you go down the list, you have four uh fair decks followed by four horrendously unfair decks, uh, decks that are just <laughs> not trying to play magic. Um, so I, I think if when you look at it, the metagame just in terms of percentages, is really, really dominated by fair decks right now. Uh, Miracles at like 10.5, plus 9, uh, plus 6, plus 6, 12. Yeah, you know, it, that, that's that's well over a quarter of the metagame. And the other I thing don't know how know, fair I think Eldrazi Post is, though. <laughs> I mean, it's at least doing doing what it's doing, and it's not cheating in creatures. It's just casting yeah, you know what, for the cheap. I'll give you that. They're trying to put more than one land into play, so I'll give them that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think you, there's arguments that Eldrazi is this mix between fair and unfair. But, um, you know, in general, like, this this was something that was brought up on, on last week's cast, is, like, why you got into Legacy. And I remember very specifically the reason why I got into Legacy. Uh, a very good friend of mine, uh, his name's Robert Green, goes by Bobby, uh, basically taught me uh, how to play Magic. And, like, he was, like, just one of the local guys that took a bunch of younger people sort of, like, under his wing and, like, show them how awesome magic could be and you know he uh you know he basically said legacy is the best way to play magic and he showed like he had a bunch of different legacy decks built and at the time and this was just a really really long time ago there was like goblins and there were these crazy combo decks that were based around Aloran. And people were playing, um, like, Werebear was still a card people were playing oh, at man. the time. Yeah, so this was, like, way back in the day. And I remember looking at the interactions of these cards and just going, oh, my God, like, this is nuts. And, you know, it, it just immediately got me got me hooked on it. So I remember, like, there even at the time there were unfair things going on, but it, it's not like the unfair things that were going on today. I mean, just like the horrendously broken turn one gristle brand stuff. So I get that there's, there's been this progression in the format over time where things have gotten more broken on the unfair side, but they've also gotten a lot more broken on the fair side as well. Um, cards like Delver of Secrets and True Name Nemesis, those aren't broken cards like Dark Rituals or Broken Card, but they are really really strong especially yeah. in formats like legacy so very above rate they're that very is. yeah they're very above rate is a, is a good way to describe it and i think it's really really easy to just to see like the inherent brokenness uh, when someone is 
casting a bunch of dark rituals and then tangling you or putting a turn one aggressive brain in play. But is that fundamentally more broken than playing true nemesis and having a creature that literally says protection from your only opponent? I, I, I don't know. You know, these are these are things that are pretty orthogonal to each other, but they're both very, very far away from cards that were printed a long time ago, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I just think that when you know you make statements like that, it's very, very easy to make counterpoints um, saying that the the stuff that you hold fondly from a long time ago uh, has has changed a lot as well. So you know maybe maybe it's a little bit more balanced in the sense that both things have been pushed like crazy. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the 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 a lot of people's problem is that is that things have been pushed in in such a direction so that they can't go back. Uh, and I don't think we ever will go back to to the way it was, you know. Um, but we can't go back to to that simpler, uh, more straightforward uh, heads up style of magic. It's 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 more of an I gotcha. Uh, sort of thing, or you're playing like a hard control deck, uh, or you're playing like a mid range deck in a field of uh, fair blue decks, and you're able to get the fair blue decks on that. It's it's always going to be like matchup dependent. Um, after after you get past the like, did I did I lose on turn one? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up, Eric, because I know I've mentioned this to Zach a zillion times. Like, I always want to do a show on the fair unfair axis and what's fair and what's unfair and like does it is it meaningful to even have that distinction when a card like you know true name nemesis exists or even delver of secrets i mean before uh, you got you know we got started you were talking about delver a little bit and just like you know grixis delver isn't a tempo deck in the traditional sense and i know you talked a lot about tempo on top down just recently but there is no real tempo deck here. Like Delver's just like the most efficient mid-range creature that you can have. It's a one mana three two with flying. Like, you know, you're not really, you don't have to race with it. You're sitting, you're playing Delver in the Bitter Blossom. You know, like it's just, um, it's very interesting to just see how that efficiency impacts all the archetypes and things sort of dissipate a little bit. Definitely. And on the point of, you know, the fair versus unfair axis, I mean, just like basically everything else, you can rate stuff on a spectrum. And I would say that probably the most broken deck in Legacy is uh, Dredge, just because it's the way that it operates is so far outside of normal magic. Um, it barely casts any, any spells. Um, it might, you know, you might even make the argument that Manalist Dredge is the most broken deck in Legacy. It's not necessarily good, but it is very, very uh, outside. It breaks the rules of the game. That's it, the yeah, literally breaks the, yeah. literally breaks the rules of the game, right? Yeah. Um, and then the most fair deck is probably something like Grixis Control or, or something like this. You know, maybe Death and Taxes, but you know that that plays Aether Vial, so it does get to cheat on mana. I mean, Grixis Control or like Miracles is literally just play lands, pay all my mana for all my spells, and uh, win the game just through controlling my opponent. That's it. Yeah. So, you know, there's those things are very far away from each other, and most there's of the decks sort of maybe huddle we'll, around them, but yeah. Maybe you want to talk the difference between unfair and not fair. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. when someone dredges you, you're like, that's an unfair deck. But when someone... You know, goes turn one Thoughtseize, turn two him, turn three snap Thoughtseize, turn four Jace. You say that's not fair. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I, you know, 
for for the people who weren't listening last week, because uh, you know we haven't really given any any indication of of how we feel about the format. Um, uh, personally, uh, I think it's in, it's in a fine spot. I, I think that the format itself is is okay. There are some decks that, that aren't great to play against, but overall, I'm still very happy to sleeve up magic cards and not have to ever see Deathrite Shaman on either side of the board. Yeah, so I, I feel the same way. Um, I have played not nearly as much Magic as I would have I would have liked to leading up into Eternal Weekend, but I am very very excited for, for Eternal Weekend uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, I, I get to go see a lot of my friends from the East Coast where I'm originally from, which is honestly one of the main reasons why I still play Magic. But the other thing is, it, I still get to go play Legacy on this huge stage, and yep. honestly, like. I feel differently than Cyrus about it. Like Cyrus has a very high win rate in legacy and in vintage. And you know why? Cause he's a really good magic player and that still gives you an, an advantage over your opponent. I think one of the things that was talked about last week is that there's a lot of games that are decided where there's no skill involved on either side. And I think the, I, I would not agree that there's a lot. I would agree that there's some, uh, but it's not nearly as many as people I think perceive. It's sort of like a confirmation bias thing where you feel so bad after you have one of those experiences that it just outshadows all of the, you know, the normal experiences where you lose just by, you know, it's turn 12 against Grixis Control or something like this. Yeah. I I, I said last week, you know, which I'm debating how much I, I wish I didn't or phrase it differently. Like, I'm excited to go to Eternal Weekend, but I don't expect to have a lot of fun playing Legacy. Um, one of the, I mean, Eternal Weekend's great because there's going to be old school events. Um, that means you're going to see a lot of cool old cards and cool old decks, right? And there are people who come out because it is a Legacy Advantage Championship, and they're going to bring, you know, really interesting items to the table, right? Like, you're going to see some cool things that, you know, maybe the people only play, you know, a couple times a year. And I think that's a, that's a big draw for Eternal Weekend. After, you know, we recorded last Wednesday, I played, actually, I played a lot of leagues, and I played a weekly last night, and I played a lot of different decks, and I think I'll still be able to have, I think I'll still be able to find myself to a way, to a place where I have fun playing Legacy. Um, though I'm saying that now, feeling a little optimistic. <laughs> we'll see how I feel in round three <laughs> next <Yeah>. Friday. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's still, it's still fun. And I, I mean, I, I, you know, I think that there was a little bit of, you know, to the extent that we got a ton of, like, wait, you know, you don't sound like every fun. And I, and I think that one of the reasons I invited Cyrus on or wanted to have Cyrus on to talk about that was because I was bummed that he wasn't having fun, you know, mm -hmm. since uh, I've, I've met you guys, you know, at, in, out in um, in uh, in California and, you know, talked to you guys online and stuff like it was. And it was awesome that you guys came on our podcast, started your own podcast, really took it in a direction that Zach and I are not equipped to handle. We're not data guys, you know? Um, and I thought that was awesome. You're offering something different. And I was just bummed to see someone get bummed out. But then I, you know, kind of understood where he's coming from. Um, so, you know, hopefully we'll all have, I think we'll all have a good time. We'll all have fun. We'll all hang out and it'll be great. So, yeah. I mean, um, so I, my plan for Eternal Weekend is that I'm going to O3 drop both events and then be uh, MTG mom for all of my friends. So I'll bring <laughs> you guys snacks and drinks and make, you know, make, make sure you're hydrated. That's that's my role for the weekend. Uh, yeah, but, you know, it's I think it's going to be a fun experience either way.
Let me tell you something, brother. You're here listening to this Eternal Dirtles podcast, but what you need to do is go over to Eternal Dirtles Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Eternal Dirtles, and show your support, brother. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to playing Magic. I, I actually don't know what I'm going to be playing yet. I, so, I, I know. So, uh, I, last, last year, I, I knew 100% I was playing Shops in Vintage. It, it was just very clearly the best deck, um, yep. and people were underprepared for it. That was, that was easy for me. Um, in Legacy, it was also easy for me because I did zero practicing for Legacy, and I only know how to play Rock Delver, so I played that. <laughs> <laughs> um, this year... Rug Delver is in such a bad position in the metagame that I don't know if I can, I, I don't know if I can play it. It's it's really really uh, it's even worse than it's even it's in, excuse me it's in an even worse position than it was when Deathrite Shaman was in the format, which, which I can't which I can't believe I'm saying. Yeah, it's unfathomable that like the, re- the removal of that card actually made Rug Delver an even worse deck somehow. Yeah, it's it, it's just it's baffling to me. It uh, it's akin to when they banned Sensei's Divining Top in Miracles. It was still super good. It was like yep. egregious, and I was like, Death Rite Shaman's banned. Like, let's go. Like, changing my life to go play as many Legacy tournaments as I can. And then, you know, Blue Back Death Shadow came out, and people and Gurmag Angler saw I think more penetration into the format. And Grixis Control is just playing four Baleful Strix. And I said, this is awful. I, I he's just yeah. This deck is almost unplayable. Well, so what Zach said last week is that, you know, that right shaman goes away. People get less greedy. They play more basics. Uh, so that takes you off like a wasteland. Like the one-to-one trade of wasteland for a land is not really something you can be doing. Delver at least, or Rug at least, has the backup plan of playing Stifle. But people know how to play around Stifle and the, the efficiency of the threats makes that means that holding up stifle you, like you can't gain the tempo back when they just make a one mana five five you know you're not gaining any tempo you're, you're not keeping them off anything you know yeah. it's very tough it, yeah it's, and the baleful strix is a is is a is a scourge like it really is i i i you know that thing comes down like okay one mana flyer is one mana or i'm sorry one one flyer is one mana one one death touch is one mana two uh one one that draws you a card is two mana. You're you're talking about four mana worth of effects for two, and they're all in the same card. Yeah, it's it's really, weird because really. I couldn't even think of a card that they could print in rug colors that would compete with uh, a card like that. You know, like in 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 rug, like it, what would they have to do? Print like a a simic like three three that uh, does one damage and draws a card. Like I I just can't fathom like what would be good enough in in rugs colors to even compete with the what blue black x is doing uh you could probably print like uh like a blue green uh hex proof unblockable creature like a two mana two two hex proof unblockable or something like just that just another truny nemesis i like it yeah, yeah i mean right. it, it, more, <laughs> look, that's, that, i'm not that, saying that, this card that. should exist it, right. it is definitely not good for the game but yeah. you know that's that's something that Ah, oh, jeez, it would probably screw In fact, that reminds too. me. That reminds me, Eric. You were talking about on on Facebook or something about Rug not being good, and that was my first little like, oh man, I hope that the TDL guys aren't getting bummed out. And then Cyrus <laughs> is like, yeah, but you know, you're right. Like, uh, so so 
what you feel comfortable with. You have a, a range of decks. No, so it, it's kind of funny. Like, I've had people describe me as like a legacy master or vintage master, and it, it's just not the case. I, I I know how to play tempo decks. Like that is just when those. Uh, I guess maybe the easiest way to say it is that the game plan that those decks are trying to execute on it just makes sense to me and i have a very natural inc- inclination to playing them like i very especially with ravager shops in vintage i consider that a tempo deck it's doing a lot of similar stuff to rug delver it's it's denying your opponent's mana um that's how it's di- that's sort of how it um disrupts their development and it plays super super efficient threats uh and it, it gains a tempo advantage by having lands that tap for more than one mana uh, so it really is uh, similar to Rug Builder. It doesn't have a counterspell package, but... It's, yeah, I think you know, what we had so said said about your deck choices last year was it was Fun Police. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not, you know, not going to lie. You know, these are not... I would not put them in... Well, I, I think Shops is not... Okay, I personally have a lot of fun playing these decks. Yeah, yeah. Fun is super, super subject, subjective. And, like, honestly, there are still games with Rug Delver. I, I don't know how many matches of Rug Delver I put in, but it's a lot. And there are still matches of Rug Delver where I can feel my heartbeat increasing, like, inside my chest, where it's like, all right, I got two cards in my hand. One's a, a land that I dazed back to my hand and I've been holding just in case I draw a brainstorm, and the other is a daze. My opponent has three lands in play, but I'm ahead, like... Like you know, what's gonna happen? Like, yeah, yeah. Of what's course. gonna happen? Like yeah, yeah. Th- those are the super, super fun Delver games that I love playing. Um, yeah. And you know, that's the sort of axis that that I play really well on. Um, there's a chance that I'll play uh, Grixis Delver, just because it gets to play the better threats. It's it's similar uh, in the sense that it's low to the ground. It's trying to win the game quickly. Uh, but honestly, the black threats are just better than the the green ones right now. So uh, there's a good chance I end up on that. And then in Vintage, I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Paradoxical Outcome, I think, is just a better deck than, than Shops is. And the reason why I think that's so interesting is because, you know, and we talked about this before the show a little bit, there have been no uh, restrictions or unrestrictions in Vintage since last year's Eternal Weekend. And there are very, very few cards that have been added to the Vintage metagame that significantly change any decks in the format uh you know there's some stuff here and there like one elves and like maybe some like little toolbox cards or whatever but effectively you know the really all the really powerful cards in the format are the same but what's happened to the paradoxical outcome deck over the last year is that it has been built much much better um and one of those things is that basically every par- paradoxical outcome list now is either running three or four Hercules recall in the 75 um specifically for uh the shops matchup and it's splash hate against null rod as well so that just density of, of hercules recall in the paradoxical outcome deck just very heavily puts paradox, paradoxical outcome uh, uh the favorite in the the outcome shops matchup and it's just so funny because last year when i was building my shops deck i, I just didn't even consider outcome it yeah. just like it wasn't even like in my top four decks in the format when I was building my shop deck for, for Eternal Weekend. And people have just got gotten better at building it now. And now shops, I think, is the serious underdog. Um, let's, let's just, uh, because we did it for Legacy, I'm just going to pop through quickly the top 
Uh, let's see. Yeah, we got a nice cutoff at eight here. In vintage top eight decks, Paradoxical Storm, 27, 17.20%. Jeskai Mentor, 16.56%. Ravager Shops, 15.92%. Survival, <laughs> I want to talk about that, Eric, 7%. Yeah. Grixis Tinker, 5.73. Bug Midrange, 5.1. Landstill, 3.82. And Inferno O, 3.82. Uh, and then there's like a bunch of dredge decks after that. Um, well, let's, the, get, let's get the survival. Stop the presses. The Grixis Tinker deck is running Garrick the Relentless. What? <laughs> it's what? four. Oh, I could play Deathrite Shaman. Everything's yeah, broken. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> oh, because you can. Yeah, whatever. I just want to throw that out there. One, I was just like, what is that doing in there? One fiery confluence. Yeah, Fiery Confluence is a is a real card. Um, that's okay. been seeing an uptick over the past year, especially in the Jeskai Control decks. Uh, yeah. You know, it it does a really really good job of uh, dealing with sort of the stray artifacts that shops can play easily. Uh, and the other sort of like the hidden mode on it is that it can just go six to the face. Mm-hmm. Um, so like uh, a common way that I've lost to Fiery Confluence, uh, like a lot of, against a lot of the Jeskai decks and the more controlling decks in the format is. They'll deal with your early uh, sphere plays in terms of uh, just like force of will, or you know sometimes you get steel sabotaged, or they'll you know they'll remove it in some other way. Uh, they deal with your creatures with lightning bolts or other removal spells, and then they'll just fiery confluence, snapcaster fiery confluence, and kill you, and that's it. And you've done enough damage to yourself with you've done. Yeah, yeah that is so nasty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's 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 <laughs> it, a great way to get twelve damage in. Is that it's, literally fireball? Two, three, four, five, six, ten. Oh, it's, ten, it's 12 damage for 10 mana. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really strong. And, you know, you, you have Ancient Tombs in your deck, so it's one of those cards that it's like, as a shops player, I looked at it immediately, and I'm like, yeah, all right, four mana sorcery speed spell, good luck. Uh, and then, you know, there were, you know, I got it played against me, and I was like, wow. It's, uh, it's definitely a powerful card, and... Um, I think it warrants inclusion in control decks that have access to that can produce double red. I have a fiery confluence story from about an hour and a half ago. I'll tell you the other podcast. Um, <laughs> so let's so, talk about survival. That's 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 what uh, the the story of the of the minute was, right? Well, yes. I, I'm, here's my I got I'm curious about this survival deck. Do you think people will play it at Eternal Weekend? Um, yeah, I do. So there's a couple things uh, that I think are in favor of people playing it. The first is that uh, it won an eternal weekend uh, in Asia. Oh, it uh, did? I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. I just thought it so, was a, I thought it was like a Magic Online deck. No, I mean, this this deck is real. Um, I've played against it. I've watched it operate. Um, it, you know, it does some really, really powerful things. And I think people will play it uh, if they're trying to win. And the reason why is it attacks from a very interesting angle and the disruption that is good against it is not good against a lot of other decks in the format. So, you know, if you want to beat survival, you have to specifically plan for being able to deal with, um, like, uh, a deck that's able to search up a bunch of different toolbox creatures. So you have to be very, you have to be very removal heavy, which a lot of decks in Vintage are not. Um, you know, there, it, the deck does uh, get hit by some splash hate just because of all of the graveyard stuff going on in the format specifically dredge but you know it, it can also just completely ignore that because it can play a survival and then just start hard casting venge vines and kill you um you know that's that's happened to me as well 
Uh, it gets to do some pretty broken stuff. Like it has access to Thalia's. Um, so like with survival, the deck plays, you know, two to three, two to three Thalia. Um, yep. So it's playing seven Thalia's in its deck against Paradoxical Outcome and, and the other, you know, combo decks in the format. And then you get to play a bunch of other, you know, crazy cards like Kataki Wars Wage against Shops, which is, you know, pretty, pretty damn close to energy flux on a stick. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, it, there's other crazy cards you can play like Peacekeeper, which is just I, I, I don't know how, how good that is, but, it, you know, it's a card that you have uh, access to. Well, there's so, just times your opponent can't beat a Peacekeeper. You know, there's several de- several decks that just don't have the removal, right? And you just yeah. build up your board and then eventually sacrifice your own peacekeeper and attack. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how good that actually is. I, I have seen it before. But, you know, the deck has access to that sort of stuff because the, the opportunity cost of playing, like, a one-off crazy, like, uh, narrow card in your sideboard for, for some matchup is relatively low. Uh, you know, because you're playing four survivals. Uh, you have... You know, because because you play four survivals in your deck, you're basically playing five copies of any card that you play one of, right? Yeah. So it's you know it's a very interesting deck, and actually, I really really underestimated the power of this power level of this deck when I first looked at it. And the card that really pushed it over the edge to me is uh, one Wonder. Yeah. I think most people probably don't know what Wonder is. Um, it was part of a cycle from I believe it was Judgment. Yeah. And Wonder is a Four mana, two two flying incarnation. I don't know how many creatures have that creature type, but it might actually just be the five from this cycle. And it says, as long as Wonder is in your graveyard and you control an island, creatures you control have flying. So the sort of the gimmick with this card is that you discard it to uh, Survival of the Fittest and you go get, you know, whatever creature you want. And the deck is uh, is plays blue, so you have an island in place, so all your creatures have flying. And the truth is, in Vintage. The skies are open. There's just not a lot of creatures that fly. Um, most of the creatures in the format are ground-based creatures. I'm talking about, like, Young Pyromancer, basically all the creatures in shops, um, like Monastery Mentor, Snapcaster Mage, these sorts of things. So there's a lot of times against the deck where you just you don't get to block, um, which is one of the fundamental ways that you can beat creature-based decks. So the deck can do some pretty scary things, and it's been my experience that when the deck gets to untap with Survival of the Fittest, you're probably dead. Yeah. Uh, I've made a number of flying Vengevines in Hollow on Wonder in Legacy, actually. So uh, It's a powerful <laughs> thing to be doing. It yeah. is very good. Um, ironically, Legacy has uh, Delver Secrets um, more more often. I, I'm just, I'm honestly, the reason I didn't think it would be played that much is just because it doesn't feel very, it doesn't look very vintagey, but I guess I should watch it in practice before I say anything. I just hadn't seen it in practice yet. Um, you know, it's, it certainly feels vintagey. I I don't think it's going to have a ton of people playing it for a couple of reasons. One is that you don't get to play like a bunch of the super sweet vintage cards in this deck. Like the deck plays ancestral recall, um, and it plays a bunch of Moxin, but it's not playing time walk. Like it's not playing force of will. There's no brainstorm. You know, there's no like one up gush. This sort of thing. It's not playing a bunch of restricted cards, which. Uh, let's be honest here. Like when you go to play vintage, like playing those cards, it's it's sweet. That's what you want to do. Yeah. It's it's really sweet. Like playing those cards and this deck doesn't get to do a lot of that. So, uh, I think that's probably a knock against it, uh, in terms of what the, the density of people playing it is going to be, but it's a very powerful deck and I would not fault anybody for bringing it to eternal weekend. 
Yeah, I wouldn't fault anyone for bringing it. I just wasn't expecting to see it. I was like, okay, this is like a fun deck to play online. But yeah, well, um, well there you go. Now I now I feel kind of bad about saying that. <laughs> I was talking to Brian Anderson, who was one of our fans of Paragon. He's like, oh, I ran into Survival twice in my Vintage League. And I'm like, yeah, you're not going to play against that at Eternal Weekend. Well, what are you worried about? <laughs> so don't listen to me. Um, do you... Do you, do you have access to most of these decks? Like, are you able to build Paradox Gull and stuff if you wanted to? Um, I can, you know, I, I'm lucky enough to have gotten into the Eternal formats early on before the prices were really, really absurd. I, I can yeah. build, you know, basically any deck that I want except for Survival, because Survival is like, it's like $120 for something like this, and I, and I don't own any. Um, but I... Let's I can build ninety nine dollars. Ninety nine dollars. Still, I'm not like <laughs> I'm not. Gonna, no, it's just four hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not dropping four hundred bucks to play survival. But um, I I think it's most likely that I end up on on paradoxical outcome, and I I feel kind of icky saying that. Um, you know, when I used to play vintage a long time ago, uh, I played gush bond when you could play four gush, and mm. I loved it. I just you know. It, it was like super super fun. You took these crazy lines. You got to play Gush, which was an absurd magic card. But man, I mean, okay. So I think five years ago, if you had told me that the best deck in Vintage would win with Tendrils of Agony, I'd say, okay, yeah, that seems pretty reasonable. If you had told me that the best deck in Vintage wins with Tendrils of Agony, and it plays a three-drop white creature. <laughs> that's also restricted i would say you're insane that doesn't make any sense but here we are here we are um yeah <laughs> right uh the you know, the paradoxical outcome deck is just man it's it's just doing things better than everyone else and the way people have been building it now it just it has the ability to beat basically every single hate card that people bring for it you know, the, the main hate cards are Null Rod and or Stony Silence, basically the same effect. They're a little bit different in the ways that you attack them, uh, you know, basically because you can't Hercules Recall a, a, a Stony Silence. Silence. But, you know, the deck still, every deck is basically playing two repeal now, just as it's catch-all permanent-based, uh, or yep. answer to permanent-based hate, right? And that's main deck. So yep. you can even show main deck Stony Silences and main deck Null Rods and just they go end of turn, repeal you, untap, kill you. That's that's very very powerful. Uh, what's really crazy is that paradoxical engine, or excuse me, paradoxical outcome is a strong enough engine with all of the broken artifact mana uh, that there's enough slots in the deck for stuff like that. And that's a deck building consideration that I think is pretty subtle that most combo decks don't have the ability to do. So if you go look at like a lot of other like Dark Ritual combo decks, mm-hmm. they just don't play cards like Repeal in their main deck. It's just, they're just not there. Um, because Paradoxical Outcome draws you so many cards, there's room, like, you, you have, you know, it, it's a critical mass combo deck similar to, like, Dark Petition Storm or, um, like, any of the, the Dark Ritual Storm decks in the past. But it has this just absolutely absurd card or card advantage engine in it so that means that once it gets going it's almost guaranteed to keep going um it's it's but, a ritual that draws cards yeah that's yeah. what paradox blockum is like yeah. just looking at cyrus's uh top eight he top eighted the vintage challenge uh with dark petition storm 
He has one Chain of Vapor in the main deck, and that looks like about it. Now he's got four Duress, and you can say that that's there, and, and um, uh, Paradox Lockham has four Force of Will, but, you know, Duress doesn't protect against the top of the deck. So. It also doesn't protect from being on the draw, um, which is, yeah. you know... Oh, I'm serious, right? Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. For the mirror, you're right. You're totally right. And it also doesn't get to play Force of Will, so... You know the the paradoxical welcome deck is much much better built to deal with the the hate cards, both yeah. permanent and stack based. Yeah, well, I, look at the paradoxical's got four fours, Hergul's recall, plus chain of vapor and repeal. This is the, the this build doesn't have tendrils. I don't know. I'm trying to find the right build, but yeah. yeah. I, I want to mention uh, what we were saying about repeal before, and and for the most part, the the crazy thing about repeal is that it's literally like Gitaxian Probe 2 and 3 in this deck uh, because you could just bounce your uh, mocks if you have to. You, you're not you're at the exact same amount of mana. Yep. Yeah, sort of the the really awesome play of tap my Mac, Mock Sapphire to re- put a blue in my pool, repeal my Mock Sapphire. It, it feels pretty nice. Yeah, it's I like mean, just, you're just, just, you know, it's not ideal necessarily, but it's never dead, which is, which is nice. Yeah. It's a super flexible card, and... Um, yeah, it it the fact that these decks are playing it uh, is is honestly it's just really good for them. Like I think I counted I think I counted twenty twenty three restricted cards in the paradoxical deck. Yeah, you know, that's all, a lot. All of the, all, it's basically all the restricted artifacts and all the restricted blue cards, and and the restricted, all the restricted white black card. cards and the and one restricted, restricted white card. card. <laughs> that's not balance. Um, oh, well, true. you know what's funny, Eric, is that. Balance was I remember Balance being in this deck at some point um, when I was when I was a while ago and I think like to your point about there hasn't really been a ton of changes in the format um, except for the development of this deck and how it's developed into what it is now plus uh, the addition of the survival deck. I mean, yeah, it's just you've got these you, people dug up people found decks and here you are, no Delver Secrets decks in here or anything like that, you know. Yeah, so like if when you look on MTG Goldfish, it's incredible because there's literally, uh, unless I'm missing it, uh, in the top 12 decks, there's no Delver and there's no Dark Rituals. That's really, really surprising. Uh, it's, you know, the format has changed quite a bit. And one of the things that I find fascinating, and this will fold into an art, sort of an, a different argument at the end, is that especially with the emergence of the survival deck, like, yeah, Hollow One enabled it, but Hollow One was out for a long time before anyone put the survival deck together, right? Uh, the format, the formats have such a large card pool that there's so many, so many card interactions and so many different things that you can be doing that it just it takes so much time for people to explore that, even when you have the hive mind working towards it. And I, I, I sort of want to fold this back into what you guys were talking about last week, where it's like there's this really like stupid stuff going on in Legacy, but that is very, very difficult to curate because there's just so many card interactions and the way people build decks and, and like play the games, uh, it affects all this sort of stuff. Yep. And, if, and when you think about Standard, they have a play design team that's a couple of top level pros that are it is their sole job to make sure that standard is a fun play environment and they they haven't been doing a great job on executing on that 
right? So I, I kind of don't hold it against Wizards that in formats as deep and as wide as Legacy and Vintage, they can't get the ban list right. There's just so much stuff out there that I think that it doesn't matter what the banner restricted list is going to be. People are going to find something that's way better or really orthogonal to what everyone else is doing. And people are going to think it's unfun and complain about it. I just don't think you're going to be able to ban everything yeah. out of yeah. everything on fun out of these formats. I want to, I want to still... touch uh, about what you said before about standard going, going back to that real fast. Uh, one of the things that is, is a problem for the, the standard uh, testing team, uh, I think is also that the, at the same time, they have to balance a fun limited environment mm-hmm. at the same time. So their job is really twofold. Um, and it, it that's got to create problems in, in play design. Uh, people trying to push specific draft formats uh, and, and interactions. And at the same time, you have people trying to make standard happen. Uh, and I think those th- two things tend to clash with each other. Uh, not that we're going to get into a giant discussion about standard, but I think that uh, a lot of that stuff as a game designer, I think that 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 to me is a task of, uh, of that's just totally impossible to pull off. Yeah, I, I do not envy the position those people are in uh, when it's their job to make sure people are having fun playing magic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one, still, because, I'm still on. one, because it's incredibly difficult just yeah. just to deliver on that. And two, because I think the magic community in general likes to complain more than others but yeah that's just an opinion of mine i'm still on team paradoxical storm is cool and fun i think it's <laughs> awesome i think it's so much fun. i mean you've convinced me i'm definitely going to uh <laughs> sleeve it up the next time there's an event have you uh, ever in the, in like, the city. have you ever resolved the paradoxical outcome you're just yes. like what am i doing you just look at your hand like 30 cards in it i like, i always feel bad when when i like rem- when i like put more than like four cards back into my hand like i just know that the game is over and my opponent's just like <sighs> just do exactly. just do what you're doing as fast as you can so that we can get on with our lives it, it is it, it is something uh here's a blast from the past zach hmm. our, our our old buddy matt jones um oh, yeah. when he was uh when he used to play he used to say i'd love nothing more than drawing cards all i want to do is draw cards. i just want to draw more cards you know <laughs> that was when he switched from playing like maverick to playing shardless bug yep and uh, I was like, why did you switch, man? You were on team not blue with me. And he's like, oh, man, I just love drawing cards. That's all. And like, uh, that's why as much as I complain about Grizzlebrand's existence, I, I love having it in play. I love playing Paradoxical Outcome. It just feels so good. I, I, I feel the same way. I love drawing cards. Yeah. One of, my, one of my favorite experiences is casting Ancestral Recall, gripping three, and then remembering that I don't have to put two back. Oh like, god, yeah. I, I love that. Uh, to me, well, I love... every time you every time you do that, you you draw more than like one card. It's like there could literally be anything in my deck. Like there's, it, it, there could be cards from Fallen Empires. You know, like I just like <laughs> I just like draw. I'm like draw three cards. I'm like, who? What? What? What could I possibly have here? You know, like it, I, I never really think about like what my like if I'm drawing more than two cards, I'm just like, oh, anything could happen. It's like Phil with uh, Phil's thing with uh, like told me he's like isn't Bedlam Roller just great? And then like the next day I chained two of them like one right into the other. Like I, I played it out, played all the cards that I drew off of it, and the, or two cards. And I, the third one was another Bedlam Reveler. Like yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> I just I just want to do this every day. Like I just want to I just want to cast my ancestral recall on a guy. <laughs> That's all I want. Yeah. I uh, I, I played a game uh, recently called Hanabi. Have you guys ever played it? I, I know of Hanabi, but I've not played it. Okay, uh, so. It's it's not super popular, but Hanabi is a card game that's collaborative, 
And the big gimmick with Hanabi is that, you know, everybody has a hand. But instead of looking at the cards in your hand, you're not allowed to look at the cards in your hand, but you can see everyone else's cards. So you basically hold them the wrong way. And when I was playing Hanabi, like when you draw a card from the deck, like you have to pick it up and you can't look at it. And every time I drew a card, I had to remind myself, don't look at the card because that's against that's against the rules right and i was just like super disappointed because i couldn't like draw the card and look at it yeah there's a cognitive dissonance in, in a game like that where where like you know uh what uh poker has has a game that's similar to that where like you you're playing with everyone else's hand and like they you know they know what you have and you have to try and uh figure out like how much to bet based on what everyone else is betting um yeah where basically you just keep two cards on top of your head and it's like, hold them. And, and there's always that cognitive dissonance about like a drawing or trying to figure out uh, what the heck is going on when, when uh, the, the, like the non-standard gaming thing happens where you're not dealing with your own information. Right. Well, so yeah, the, the, here, we're, the, we're officially the podcast that, that makes the point that drawing cards is fun. <laughs> That's hey a man, hot, someone's, hot take. Someone's got to do it. Hot take. Hot someone's got to do it. <laughs> got that hot take drop. We got we got um, uh we got Phil on the uh I I had him uh, record a hot take button for us and then uh he's got we we I think maybe by this episode we should have we should have had a new intro and another uh another bumper where Phil tells everyone to join our uh, our Patreon. Wait, you, you guys gonna have a new intro? Well, just the not just the intro where like I come on and say like. Uh, Hey, we're a Hipsters of Coast podcast. I'm gonna have Phil do a do a, a better one. The music is still gonna be there. I was gonna say I was Phil. gonna miss the song. I need more <laughs> stuff, man. Yeah. Oh, that's at the end. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> no, I think stuff. Is... No, Ghost Dad. Oh, yeah, Ghost right, Dad right. is uh, Ghost Dad starts it, and then uh, Keeping Up with the Joneses is the finishing song. Keeping Up with the Joneses. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do we uh cover how much how much time do we have? How much time do we have? Left? Uh, eight minutes. Eight minutes. Okay. Um. Well, thanks, Eric, for like a, a nice comprehensive rundown of Vintage. I'm, I'll be interested in finding out what you play when I see you uh, next week. Um. I have I have no idea. I, yeah. Is it next week? I thought it was the week after. No, it is next week, isn't it? It is literally. Uh, I'm getting on the plane a week from tomorrow. That's right. So, me me as well. Uh, yeah. Oh boy, I got I got I got I got some deck building. To do. While while we're oh. talking about vintage, I I wanted to ask a question because I, I I've been playing uh Infect in Legacy for a little over a year and a half now. What stops people from playing Infect in in Vintage? Um, there's like no think, removal, right? Like, I think there's two answers. The mm. the the first answer is mental misstep. Sure. Uh, that's that's a then, good answer. Uh, you know, getting your 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 key card in your deck mental misstep is. Probably not a good strategy. Yeah. Uh, and then the second thing is walking ballista. It has a huge, a huge yeah. presence in the format. That makes that makes a lot of sense. I just I, oh. just a thought in my head popped up real fast. It's like there's no removal. Before yeah, before walking ballista was printed, there was someone in like Spain who I would see his list pop up occasionally. I was playing like that modern that deck that broke modern, the Shoal Infect deck in Vintage. Oh God. Just <laughs> going all in. Yeah, yeah. I mean th- that's something that you could. I don't think you get anything very special out of the vintage cards. Uh, I, no, I, I just don't know if there's yeah. any, at least on the surface, I can't see any interactions with like the vintage specific cards that make Blazing Soul Infect good and in, in vintage. Yeah, other than the fact that it's sweet. Oh, it's sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I want to just wrap back to Legacy for a little bit because you said you had a lot of playtesting to do. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been doing, like I just said, I've been doing a lot of playtesting after we recorded. I, I jammed like a league every night um, with the you know various builds of my Arclight Phoenix deck, and I you know played some Tezzeret, and I, I've just not been doing well. I've been really burning tickets. Um, and I played Black Red Reanimator last night at the local, and you know, you know, you know that feeling where you're like, all right, I'm pretty sure this deck is good. You know, and we're trying a new deck, and then you sit down, your very first play is a huge mistake. Yes. In, in my case, it was <laughs> Thought Seize Your Baleful Strix, Cast Exhum. <laughs> Oops. And then I just sat there, oh, like, couldn't attack no. the Baleful Strix until my opponent drew Caracas, or drew Living Wish into Caracas, so that sucked. Um, but, uh, but I, I think I still think the deck is pretty like what now now I know not to do that and I've you know made that mistake and literally the first game I played with the deck in quite a while I still think the deck is pretty pretty strong and you know was considering it then today I tried playing uh, Agro Loam before the podcast um, you know four color Loam I should say with Assassin's Trophy because I saw uh, Caleb Durward um, play against Eldrazi Eldrazi opponent Mulligan to five played an Ivogan and passed. Uh, Caleb went land Mockstein the Assassin's Trophy or Iowa and all I <laughs> want to do was that. The spoiler alert is I did not get to do that, but I did have a, I had you know it's one of those things where it's like all right this deck's gonna prey on some blue decks and you just have like the worst league for that. Yeah. So like my round one was Moon Stompy, so like the guy I got like one basic <laughs> land, the guy's got eight Blood Moons in his deck. Uh, second round was against Tezzeret, which I actually won, but it's another Chalice deck, so like my Chalice thing didn't do anything. Uh, the third round was Grixis Delver, and he just basically like beat me by playing uh, Bitter Blossom on turn two. <laughs> uh, so you know can't stop that game one. Um, and then round four was the the, the piece de resistance was the mirror. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the aggro, the poor color low mirror. But here's how here's how personally insulted or insulting it was for me, um, not by the, the opponent, but like insulting from the universe's perspective. So I cut, I played three Assassin's Trophy because, you know, you're testing the card, put it in your deck, right? So I didn't split it with Abrupt Decay. I just wanted to see if this card does anything. My opponent was playing Agrolome. He still had Abrupt Decay, which means that when he put a Chalice down on two in the mirror with both of our decks being almost all two drops, and think about it, Punishing Fire from the Loam, Dark Confidant, uh scavenging ooze lights out oh yeah yeah <laughs> but he was able to still abrupt decay my knight or whatever that i did get whatever night i got out and play his own knight and then kill me so yes he, he put the chalice on two he had correctly identified what i what i i think uh assassin's trophied uh his knight that i didn't probably have, didn't have abrupt decay he put a chalice down on two and my hand at the end of the game was double assassin's trophy gaddick teague and dark confidant and then, on t- so that was game one. Game two, I won by going turn one, Dark Confidant, turn two, Dark Confidant, Wasteland. But game three, we both boarded in our Queen Marquesas, and yes, we did both have Queen Marquesa in at the same time. Zach, have you ever seen a Queen Marquesa? You've never seen, Physically, you've never seen this card. I, I've seen the card <laughs> on, like, l- like, lists of magic cards online. I didn't even know you could put that card in a deck. It's, yeah, it's sideboard for these grimy mirrors. But anyway, so I did get to play the Queen Marquesa mirror. The upshot is, I will say this: uh, I, I, uh, Four Color Love has some really sweet lines. Like you know, it's just a fun deck to play. So now I'm kind of now I'm kind of thinking about it. But 
I got to find a Queen Marquesa. I couldn't track one down uh, last time I was buying cards. But can, I'm sure you can get a foil one for 25 cents somewhere. I don't want foil one. I'll get <laughs> deck checked. My only foil, and I'll get I'll get kicked out or DQ'd or whatever. But the point is, like this, it's it's fun. Like Legacy is still fun. You always have these fun things. Like even this is one of those situations where like I'm laughing as I'm losing, which goes against Zach's maxim. But you know, hey, what can you do? <laughs> I I've definitely been in situations that were so ridiculous that I like I was losing, but it was so ridiculous that I just had to laugh. Yeah, yeah. I mean bit, my bit opponent. I'm just looking at this screenshot I posted on Facebook. I've got my Queen Marquesa, which has haste, so I attacked. And I'm like, this is it, buddy. I'm drawing a card at the end of this turn. And then he just untaps, casually taps two Mox Diamonds and two lands and plays his own Queen Marquesa, steals my Monarch, <laughs> and wastelands me all in the same turn. That's a pretty good turn. <laughs> pretty good turn. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So, <laughs> there you go. All, all I see is three toughness, and I can see it, it, it can be lightning bolted. That's that's all I see. Yeah, you, know, you don't want to get your four mana, three color card, lightning bolted. <laughs> well, this has been great. I think we're out of time. I know Zach, yep. poor Zach's got to get to sleep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> i got to wake up in the morning, and the morning here is closer to me than it is to you guys. So it's it's that time. But really, um, thank you to everybody who reached out and you know engaged, you know, talked to us on Twitter and Reddit and Facebook and all that stuff. Um, it was really great to meet some new people, uh, talk to different people after our last week's podcast. Thank you to our patrons and thank you to our guest Eric Virgo of Top Down Legacy. Yeah, thanks, well, thanks so much, Eric. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. This was a lot of fun. I, it was definitely, it's definitely a little, uh, a little bit more lighthearted than what Cyrus and I uh, <laughs> try to do, which I, I definitely, I think I need. Which has, which has good value. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still has good value though, so you should all check yeah, that and out. Honestly, listening to last week's episode was a lot of fun. But you know, it's really funny. Uh, Phil is still like a hundred percent on playing four ponder is always correct. All I'm saying is, if Josh Utterlayton shows up to a tournament with three ponder and one preordain, who do you think's right, Josh Utterlayton or Phil? <laughs> did, we, did we say that Phil's at a wedding? Phil's at a wedding. <laughs> Poor guy's not here because at a wedding. He is not here to defend himself. I think but... he's getting ma- yeah, he's getting married this weekend. Getting married this weekend. <laughs> he's, not, he's not really everybody. <laughs> You're like the Ed Sullivan show with the Beatles. I'm sorry, girls. Very, he's engaged. very excited. That's a contemporary <laughs> reference for all you kids out there. <laughs> Who's Ed Sullivan? <laughs> okay. Got I think it. he's the guy that landed that plane, right? <laughs> 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 that's not even a contemporary right. reference. Um, yeah, right. All right, all right. So we got we're gonna cut it here. Uh, Eric, thanks so much for for being on the cast this week. Well, I had a blast. Thank you guys for having me on. All right, have a good one. 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 Have a Where does he get those wonderful toys? Eternal Dirtles is supported by Audible.com. If you'd like a free audiobook and start up a trial with Audible, you can go to audibletrial.com slash eternaldirtles, and they'll hook you up with a free book, and you'll be supporting the show. Thanks so much.